Hey guys, welcome to The Call Men's Bible Study with men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck. I'm your host, Jeremy, and we're so glad to have you join us today. Now, have you ever said to yourself, is that guy a Christian? Maybe we see them behaving a certain way or doing something that raises the question in our minds. You know, when someone makes a claim, there's a natural expectation we place on people once they make it. But how do we know if a person is the real deal, a real friend, a real follower, a real disciple of Jesus? Now, as we will see in today's study, the question shouldn't be, how do we know? Rather, the question should be, how does Jesus know? You know, in the Bible, Jesus provides a clear picture of a true disciple or follower. In fact, that is what this new four-part series called My Disciple is all about. We're going to look at the statements Jesus makes about anyone claiming a true connection to him. Now, before I hand it over to Kenny, I'd like for you to take a moment and show those around you that you are his disciple by sharing this live stream. Now, let's join Kenny live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California for part one of this powerful series and learn how a true disciple is a man who holds on to Jesus's words. Hey, good morning, men. I want to welcome everybody joining us for this morning's study. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to hold two spots, one in Mark chapter 4 and the other in John chapter 6. I want to start with a story that's coming out of Britain today where uh, a gentleman was able to treat more than 3,000 patients, all right, after falsely claiming to be a doctor. Listen to this. Before being caught, he worked in seven hospitals in cancer, in cardiology, in surgery, hold on, in transplant, right, and in the ER department, and the truth about his claim to be a doctor was discovered only after he was hired by a private healthcare firm that became suspicious and reported him to the medical board. And I, I read that story this morning, and I thought to myself, man, it is so easy to make a claim uh, and then to convince people, even if you're not the real deal. My, my imagination kind of went wild. I thought he was probably wearing a stethoscope. He had the white jacket on. He said all the right stuff, right? But he was not a doctor, right? So if someone claims to be somebody, is it fair to assess the claim, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever said to yourself, and this is where we kind of get into today's study, um, I wonder if that guy's a Christian. You ever said that about anybody? I wonder if anybody's ever said it about me. I wonder if somebody's ever said it about you, right? Because we can do the same thing. You look at the appearances, right? We're so drawn to like, hey, that guy goes to church, or that guy has a Bible, or that guy says the right things. That guy's got the God talk down, right? We can do the same exact thing but we can have a lot of guys out there who are claiming to be Christians, but if we really went back to the criteria of what it means to be a disciple, a friend, a follower of Jesus, uh, those claims might be called into question. So how do you know, more importantly, how do I know if I'm the real deal, if I'm a real follower of Jesus, if I'm a real friend of Jesus, if I'm a real disciple of Jesus, okay, and it's not me self-defining it. It's not how do I know, it's how does Jesus know. Amen? 
Because he's the one, ultimately, that is going to define what a real follower is. And that's why I love the clarity of the New Testament. I love the Gospels because Jesus says, if you're really my disciple, or he says, truly my disciples, he really gives us a clear definition of what he says is a disciple. So in this series, we're going to look at the statements by Jesus that tell us how he knows whether or not we're a disciple. We want to define it. We want to do a little inventory, and then we want to apply it. So if you're with us here in the room, take out your notes. Uh, I just wanted to define uh, disciple, and you're going to learn a word from the Greek New Testament. Everybody say, methetes. Right, that's the word in the New Testament for disciple. And all it means is one who accepts, follows, and personally advances the teachings of another. Okay, that's what a disciple is. He's a convinced follower, all right? He's a learner. He's a pupil, all right? So it has all the normal kind of trappings of what you would kind of think, okay, yeah, that's, that's definitely a disciple. But what I thought we'd do just to start off with is go back to the inception of when men became disciples and let's look at right, what did they do right off the bat when they encountered Jesus? Now, I have a, uh, I have a verse there from John chapter 1, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's John the Baptist recognizing Jesus in front of a group of guys, all right? So imagine you're kind of with a group of guys, and then, and then John the Baptist says, look, there goes the Lamb of God. And then you're kind of one of the guys kind of hanging around it, and that statement has meaning for you. You're like, oh, this is the one, right? So um, the guys start to follow him, just literally physically, like there he goes and he's walking. And then all of a sudden the guys that hear the statement, they start kind of following right behind Jesus. And then we pick up, we kind of roll the film and, and look at what Jesus says. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. Okay, Let's just pull out some really simple principles right there from the inception of the first disciples starting to truly follow Jesus. And the first thing we observe is that a disciple seeks out Jesus. Write that down. A disciple seeks out Jesus. Okay, you see, Jesus saw them what? Following, right? If you want to become a disciple of Jesus, you've got to seek him out. You know, there's a lot of people that point to Jesus, and then a response where after he's pointed out is, wow, they, 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 they start following him. Secondly, a disciple says yes to Jesus. You notice that Jesus issues invitations to his disciples. The first invitation Jesus issues to the disciples is, come and see, right? A little later on in their journey, he'll say, come and commit. A little later on in their journey, he'll say, come and die. But as the first disciples are called, he invites them into relationships, and they start following, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying? They want to hang out with him, all right? And then Jesus says, all right, come and see. And then the third thing that we see from the inception of men following Jesus, is that a disciple spends time with Jesus. It says, so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. 
Man, they got, they got the e-ticket ride. They got a first-class ticket. They got a day with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to go back in a time travel machine and just go, man, I wonder what that day was like. Doesn't say everything, but man, they, went, they hung out with Jesus for a whole day. Then they ended up hanging out with him for three years. Then they ended up birthing the church. And so Jesus starts defining what being a disciple actually involves, um, where it becomes valid for him. All right, And I have on kind of your next section, it's hanging on to every word. And that's where we get into part one of my disciple, All right, because this is a statement that Jesus makes in John chapter 8 about how he defines what it means to be a disciple. Let's read it together. Ready? To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Very famous passage of Scripture, John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. A lot of people like to use the second half of it, right? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, all right? A lot of times they miss the first part of the statement, which is, right, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, let's just let that be what it is. Jesus is a teacher, he teaches truth, he teaches something, and then he expects after the revelation of truth, application of the truth, right? Because the purpose of revelation is application, that's right. And so that's what defines, now here's a truth statement, not, as, not do, how do I define what it means to be a disciple, but how does Jesus define how to be a disciple, okay? So there's your first acid test of what my disciple, from Jesus' perspective, actually does. So Jesus says here, uh, you know, in talking about if you hold to my teaching, write this down. Jesus says pressure will come. Do you notice the picture? If you say to someone, hold on to that, why do you have to say that? Because there's going to be pressure to let go, right? So Jesus already is portending to his disciples, they're walking with him, they're following him, they're spending time with him, they're learning truth. And the things that he is saying to them, the commands that he is giving them, the promises he's giving them, the truth that he's telling them, they're going to have to do what? They're going to have to hold on to that. Because they're going to be forces coming against that are going to try to pry their hearts away from the truth of the words of the Son of the living God. Okay, so Jesus says right off the bat, if you hold to my teaching, if I'm a disciple and I'm hearing those words, it's like, wait, I'm, I'm here, I'm listening. No, that's not the real test. The real test is when you're under pressure, are you going to hold to it? When your feelings come into play, when your insecurities come into play, when your temptations come into play, when anger comes into play, when lust comes into play, are you going to hold to my teachings, are you going to hold on to them? So Jesus says pressure will come, all right? And then you have, you know, this next statement I have from Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 48, when it comes to when he talks, all right? Listen to the, what Jesus says. Let's read it together. Ready? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Now, this is another very famous passage. It talks about how when Jesus talks, the wise person 
puts what he says into practice. Which, if we go back to the first passage, if you hold to my teaching, that's what it means to hold to Jesus' teaching. Jesus is defining, I talk, you do. Let's say that together. I talk, you do. It's that simple. Why? Because he's God. All right? So if Jesus is God and he speaks and he gives us revelation, the purpose of revelation is application, right? Then write this down. Jesus says, my expectation is application. Not only will pressure come and you have to hold to my teaching, but Jesus says, my expectation when I talk, when you see my words, when you hear my words, even when my life speaks, my example speaks, my expectation when you see that, when you hear that, when you internalize that is application, all right? So let's look, on, let's look at another principle coming out of John chapter 6. It's going to motivate us to hold to his teaching and truly be a disciple of Jesus. There's a little vignette where the disciples are large in number. Jesus says things that are very confronting, and then the numbers start to what? They start to dwindle. Okay, so we pick up the story here in John chapter 6. On hearing it, the hard sayings of Jesus, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? Okay, now let's pick up and read together. The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of Spirit and life. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Wow, what a vignette, right? You got all these people coming, and then Jesus kind of cranks up the commitment level a little bit. Like, this is a real relationship. There's real battle. There's real things that are going to conflict with your identity and your flesh and and all these things, and he's starting to say some things that are demanding more and more commitment to the relationship, and then like, I'm, I'm tapping out. That's the way a relationship with Jesus goes, by the way. He will dial it up in your life. He will dial up your commitment. He'll dial up your character. He'll dial it up, and just just it's like a personal customized thing at some point in the relationship he's going to dial you up and it's going he's going to say something that offends your flesh that offends your sense of control or your sense of of your right to manage your own life he's going to dial it up and you're going to go ooh whoa you might even push the seat back from the table and just go man this this following Jesus thing man that this is this is testing me, right? Now, the principle here that I just want us to see, and I'm going to put it in uh, man language, Jesus says, you will squirm. Write that down. You will squirm. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, you will squirm. The pressure will come for you to let go of his teaching, right? The expectation is application, and as you get to know Jesus, he's going to dial in your life. He's going to, you know, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens the door, I'll come in. Do you remember when you first opened the door to Jesus? Okay, and then he knocked and you opened the door. But guess what? He doesn't stop knocking. 
goes, I want the room of your temptation too. I want, I'm coming into your marriage now. I'm coming into your expense report now. I'm coming into the way you, you manage your finances. I'm coming into your character and the issues in your life that separate you from people. I'm coming in there. Ooh, you know. And there's a lot of times where, you know, we act like teenagers just like, you know, keep out. Kenny's room, you know. <laughs> it's like, but no, he loves me too much. He, he gave me his grace, and that's what got me in, but he loves me too much to leave me the way I am, right? Is there room to grow for you? Well, you know where you know where Jesus is, is really wanting you to grow? It's in the areas where we squirm a little. I definitely have squirm areas. Or just like, I know this about myself. And Jesus is, this year, 2019, I'm, I'm committed to breaking through in the areas where Jesus is knocking. And a lot of times it's just easier to just ignore the knock. Amen? But where is Jesus knocking in your life? Where is he trying to get you to become more like Christ? All right? More like himself. So, uh, when it comes to being a disciple, a disciple is a person who holds to Jesus' teaching. We hang on every word that he says. The most important words of the Bible are the ones full of spirit and life. All right? Jesus self-defines, my words have spirit and life. You can't get that anywhere else. Only Jesus' words have spirit and have life where they penetrate. So the pressure is going to come to let go. Jesus' expectation is that we're going to do what he says. And man, it's going to confront us. He gets to decide right and wrong in your life. He gets to decide how you approach a certain issue. When truth comes, because all truth is God's truth, amen? Can we say that together? All truth is God's truth. If it comes to your porch, especially if it's about you, that's Jesus. Because he said, I am the truth. So whether it comes from a friend, whether it comes from a pastor, whether it comes from the Bible, whether it comes right from Jesus' own mouth, if it's truth and it's true about you, it's Jesus, and he gets to define what that is. So let's, let's move on. There's the, that's what disciples do initially. This is how Jesus defines. Now let's go to kind of the application. All right, I got it, Kenny. A true disciple holds on to and applies and internalizes the words of Jesus. Now, Jesus painted a picture for this for his disciples. He taught the disciples in parables, and this is another one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever taught. It's the parable of the sower. So we're going to see the picture, okay, and then Jesus is going to unpack the application, and then we're going we're to unpack it for ourselves. So I'll read, I'll read the picture. Jesus said, listen. This is talking to the disciples. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and so they did not bear grain. Still, other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now, that's the picture, all right? So the disciples are like, can you translate for us? Let's go to the translation in Mark 4, 14 to 20. Jesus said, okay, guys, 
The farmer sows the word. What does the farmer sow? The word. All right? Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. Okay? As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sowed on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no, what? Root. They last only a short time, okay? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and what? Choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, listen, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So you have Jesus unpacking, all right, this, this whole picture of the seed, the sower, and the soils, right? So let's just kind of very simply unpack that. The farmer is who? Jesus. Yeah, it's God, right? It's Jesus. All right? The seed is what? His words. That, you guys got it, right? So the farmer is Jesus, God, God sowing his word, his truth, and um, the seed, what's coming out from him, the seed that he wants to germinate and produce a crop is his words, okay? Now, the seeds along the path, they never sink in. Write that down. Because we're, we're talking in each of these cases about depth of penetration, Correct? So you have the seeds along the path. It's just imagine there's like a dirt road, and the seeds go on a hard dirt road, okay? No penetration, all right? So those never sink in, all right? The rocky places, they do disappear underneath the rocks, but um, the, the, the thing about that is they're receptive at first, okay? So the along the rocks soil, or along the path never sinks in. The rocky places, receptive at first. That's what Jesus says. So that's, that's kind of the person who, it's like, yeah, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, right off the bat, great message, awesome, pastor, you know, that's Sunday. Monday, ooh, all right, that's seed sown along the rocky places. Then there's among thorns, key word is among, all right, and when you see in the Bible among thorns, it's a, it's a parable for kind of the world and what's going on out there in that realm, okay? Like the prophets use those words, like in, like in, in, uh, in Jeremiah, in Hosea, they say, the prophets tell the men of God, they're like, don't sow among thorns, because they all have this agricultural mindset, okay? They're like, you don't plant, you don't sow among thorns. So among thorns, according to the passage from Jesus, are when uh, there's, there's blending, all right, of other things with God's word. So worries and the word are coming together. Materialism and God's word is coming together. And there's a dilution and neutralization of God's word. Why? Because we're creating a self-styled brand of following Jesus that incorporates our own issues, the values of the world, and then that neutralizes the impact of the word. The word doesn't, uh, the word ceases being the word of Jesus when it gets diluted or blended with your own concerns and opinions, which then reshape it so that it fits your interests. Anybody ever do that? 
come on. I mean, where you're hurting or you got an issue going on and you know what God says, and then, then comes the, the rationalizer and the justifier and the excuser, you know, and all of a sudden we start blending and neutralizing the power of God's word. We use God talk, we use a spiritual narrative, and the truth came, then we diluted it because of our own insecurities, okay? Or maybe because we were concerned that if we followed God's word in that moment and did what he was telling us to do, that that would be super uncomfortable and we don't like that. So then we start rationalizing and justifying. We're really good at it. That's the flesh. Okay? So seeds sown among thorns, they blend in other things and neutralize the impact of God's word. Then there's our goal right here. Good soil. Good soil is free of those other influences. Good soil is soft. Good soil lets, lets the seed go deep. You know, good soil is receptive. So now we have penetration and we have receptivity. And the level of penetration comes with an attitude, right? I put down this category of good soil again, and I want us to read it together. It's right under your fill-in for good soil. Let's read it together. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times, what was sown. And we see this picture in the Bible as well. We see Jesus talk about seeds and how they're small, but then how they grow to dominate a person's life. So you have this seed, and then you say, you know what? The seed went in, and man, Jesus is going, some 30, some 60, some 100. But here's what has to happen before 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit comes out of the life of the disciple. Say it with me. Hear the word, accept the word, produce a crop. What's before produce? Hear and what? Accept. See, that's the heart of man. So a word can come to us straight out of, straight out of the book. A word can come to us at this live stream study here at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. A word can come to us from a friend. And that word, if it's true, about you, that word can come in, but you have to hear it. And I'm not talking about like hearing it biologically. So if we were to just quiet ourselves, all right, like right now, I can hear biologically the fan. Sound waves are coming in my ear. It's getting processed. It's going to my brain. My brain says, that's a fan. That's not the kind of hearing I'm talking about. I'm talking about listening. Listening is not a biological phenomenon, although that's how a lot of us live our Christian lives. We, we listen. We hear, all right? But, but, but we don't take it in, all right? Listening, true listening, listening to Jesus' words, that involves internalizing it, hearing it, accepting it for myself, being present, being able to articulate what is being said, all right? That's a whole different thing. All you married guys know what I'm talking about because your wife knows the difference between hearing and listening, amen? All right? A lot of you guys are like, yeah, 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 right? And they're, not, they're like, can you turn off the TV? And you point your body and you look in her eyes and you're terrified about what she's going to say. 
But you know what? A lot of times, you know, in those moments, it's a parable for, I mean, yeah, sometimes I fear my wife. Amen? <laughs> She's got the goods on me. But you know what? I'm more concerned about what Jesus says. And sometimes when he says, hey, I, like, you remember when you're dads and you have little kids and you're just like, you got to take their face. You have to cup their face and you have to go, you with me? Sometimes God does that with us, but sometimes he does it through circumstances. He's trying to talk to you, but you're distracted. He's trying to get your attention. Sometimes he has to use circumstances or a situation that you'd rather not have. Just to kind of cup your face and just go, you know what, I need to talk with you. Now, your acceptance, because that's key, right? Hearing and accepting. So I can hear what Jesus is saying. But at some point, my will has to bend. And then I have to let it in and go, that's what I need to do. Write this down. My acceptance reflects my attitude toward his words. My acceptance of Jesus' words, because that's the key to germination. If the word of Jesus is going to be sown into your life, and if it's going to give you life, you have to accept it into your spirit, into your heart, into your emotions, into your will. It has to be what he says it is, which is truth. And when you accept the truth of Jesus Christ, your life is gonna change, amen? That word is going to penetrate deep into your hearts and it's gonna transform you, all right? And truth transforms me when I trust it, okay? That's a really important thing to understand in your spiritual journey. Truth can come to us, but it's not going to transform me until I accept it. What's part of the acceptance process? Okay, Trusting it in real time in actions. So belief and trust is not an abstract. It's an action in the Bible. All right, so God's word comes into me. I hear it, I accept it. I say, that's the word of God, that's from God. Why? Because it's true, it's true about me. And then I have to take it in, and then I have to trust it, which means I'm probably gonna have to take a step of faith to trust it. See, that's the thing about knowing Jesus. He is going to grow you up, grow you up, grow you up. He's gonna go, I want that room. This is the way you used to do it. This is the way I want you to do it. This is the way you used to think. This is the way I want you to think. This is the way you used to relate to me. This is the way I want you to do. And typically, trusting the truth of Jesus' words involves a step of faith that is disruptive to your thing. Make sense? God ever disrupted your thing, moved your cheese, made you do something uncomfortable? You know, for me, it was going to counseling. That's the most terrifying place a man can ever be asked to go. It is. You know, and showing up there and going, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? What is this? This guy's going to be on her side. I know it. That's the way it always works. I'm always wrong. She's always right. But my wife was going through a really tough time. And guess who was part of the tough time? This knucklehead. It was terrifying, but I will tell you, as a married man, I went to, man, that, that totally changed my life, but I was hearing the truth of God's word speak to me. It's like, hey, uh, this is what I'm saying in that area, and you need some help, and you got to 
you got to do something a little harder. The, the trusting of this truth means you're going to do something that's going to take a lot of faith. Wow. Changed my life. So my attitude or my acceptance of God's word reflects my attitude towards words. If you want a good attitude toward God's words, just read Psalm 19. You want to change your attitude about God's word? You want to elevate it to the highest value, the highest priority, the thing that you accept? Read Psalm 19 because in Psalm 19, the psalmist talks about how your word is more precious than gold, than much pure gold, sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By it, your servant is warned, and in keeping it, there is great reward. Anybody interested in reward? Hear and accept God's word. That's where Jesus, again, going back to the beginning, who's a true disciple? A true disciple is someone who, who holds to the teaching, all right? You've got to hold on to it. So even this morning, some of you, the Holy Spirit is speaking right now in this room. He's speaking to you and just going, you know what? I've spoken to you about that. And you're squirming. And squirming's good if you're in a relationship with me. And this is what I want you to do. Stop deflecting, stop discussing, stop debating, stop, you know, having this extended analysis over my word and let it be what it's supposed to be in your life and trust it by doing something that takes faith to apply it. See, that's the difference between spiritual kids and spiritual men. Spiritual men hear a word and they know that it's good and that tension in their gut, it's good to go do the hard thing. That's why people dropped off, right? Jesus said a hard thing. But was it a loving thing? Definitely. That's how Jesus talks to us. He says hard but loving things. The more you get to know, in the beginning it's come and see. Then it's, hey, come and commit. Harder level of truth. Then it's, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. It's a progression, you know? And so, the man of God knows that when Jesus' word comes, it's going to call him forward, and he's going to grow up, as the Bible says, in every way or every respect into Christ, who is the head. That's God's ultimate vision. But to get there, you've got to have a good relationship with God's word. You have to have a good relationship with truth. My relationship with truth was a little wonky sometimes. I love the truth when it served me. I love the truth when it's comfortable, but I don't always love the truth when it confronts the guy in the mirror, amen? But I've learned that I have to move toward those, those moments, and I'm looking at some of you guys, you guys have moved toward the tough moments, and that's why you've gotten huge growth. God's word has come into you, and you've gotten a word, and it's just like, yeah, this is my thing. God says, yeah, but I want this thing. And so when we think about 30, 60, 100-fold, Hearing and accepting, accepting God's word from whatever agency of truth that he has placed in your wife. Kids, wives, friends, pastors, Holy Spirit, when you hear it, accepting it reflects your attitude toward the voice that's giving it. Amen? So if Jesus says it, um, that's where my attitude determines the fruitfulness of his word in my life. So here's a little uh, evaluation. Are you a hearer and a let her go, or are you a hearer and a holder honor? One to ten. On one side of the spectrum is I hear and I let go. Low penetration, all right? Lip service, all right? Immediate joy on Sunday, 
Not so much application on Monday through Saturday, all right? That's the left side of the spectrum. On the right side, it's, man, I'm hungry. It's like what it says in Job, I hunger for your word more than my daily bread. You know how, like, oxygen is important to human beings? You know that? The word of God, hearing the word of God and accepting the word of God is oxygen for the disciple. That's what makes you a disciple. That's what gives a disciple life, is hearing God's word and holding on to it. All right? So we want to be like Peter. Everybody else might drop off. Jesus might say a hard thing. But we want to be able to say to Jesus, no, I'm staying. Why? Because only you have words of what? Life. All right? Let's say that together. Only you have words of life. Say it again. Only you have words of life. Let's bow our heads. Pray. Jesus, we're saying together as a community of men here at Crossline Church and all around our country and the world that only you have words of life. And we're staying. We're staying, even if it means that we squirm. Even if it means there's pressure. Lord, we want to be the good soil. We want to hear, accept, and produce. Holy Spirit, would you soften our hearts in the areas where you're calling us to become like Christ, calling us to change, Lord. Help us examine the ways that harm our relationship with you and with people, and let us zero in on that, and let us hear you speak truth into that area. And for every man, they know what it is. You're speaking right now in this room, and to everyone who's listening to my voice. Speak truth into that area, Lord, and help us to have good soil. Help us to be receptive. We want your word to go deep. Help us seek you out. Help us say yes to you. Lord, help us spend time with you because your words are spirit and life. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said, amen. And the reason he's not taking his place is because he loses his vision of God, which then he loses his perspective. You're out of place. And God is calling you back to take your place. As a, as a God's man who's a husband, as a God's man who's a dad, as a God's man who's a friend, as a God's man who's a neighbor, because no one else can take the territory that only you can take. And that God